What am I supposed to do? All right, I think we got everything now. Cool. Everybody, welcome to episode 16 of the Havana Sessions podcast. I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. I'm Clay Lowe. And today we are talking about whether or not mindfulness might have negative effects. This kind of came about because quite a few months ago, there was a back in January, there was an article in The Guardian that kind of riled me a little bit. It's called uh, Is Mindfulness Making Us Ill? And what Sarah gets riled. It's not well, a pretty thing. It's not, it's not the thing you're supposed to do as the Buddhist practitioner, I don't think. But um, it was a very sensationalist article, but it also has since then um, really forced me to ponder this question about the kind of dan- dangers is a strong word, but dangers, negative side effects, what have you, of this rise in commonplace practice of mindfulness because you never really so. think about the that it has negative consequences i know whenever i see anything written about mindfulness all you see is a long list of flowering benefits it's the cure-all make your life wonderful well yeah reducing stress it? and all yeah. sorts of things and it's you know it's become very um commercialized and so lots of businesses are doing it um mindfulness mindful leadership mindful coaching so you see it in lots of different usages and ways, and everyone's always selling the benefits of it, but you never see anything that indicates that there might be a downside. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting when you sent that article through, because I actually had never thought about the downside of it, but if I really think about what you're doing in mindfulness... Now, we've had a discussion here, so in terms of semantics, is it mindfulness period or is it mindful meditation um what else is that what is, does that say magic <laughs> sarah's just putting up a note on the sheet of paper and <laughs> i should be be quiet and not letting you guys know that she's writing <laughs> notes to me but I can't read that scratch. You would have been the guy who had gotten you in trouble in class or passing notes, man. Exactly. Does that say music? It says music. Oh, no, we can add the music in later. Do the magic of technology. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Continue. Continue. Um, so, yeah, I never, never thought about the negative effects of, of mindfulness. And everyone just sprouts the positive. And then I was thinking the semantics, because we were having a discussion earlier, whether is it mindfulness period or is it mindfulness meditation? Is there a difference between those two? Um, Because that might be what some of the negative effects that people are experiencing here. So are they just being aware or are they doing meditation, in which case you do open up I think that's the biggest problem, actually, that, you know, since I've been thinking about this question... It's because people have massive misconceptions about what mindfulness is, what meditation is, what they're supposed to be doing. And if you're taught by someone who went on a three-day course and you are learning to practice in a day or less, a couple hours at a you know training course. Well, you don't even work. need to do that nowadays. You could go, you can get an app. Well, there's lots of apps. Headspace. There's yeah. apps. There's yeah. books now that teach you mindful mindfulness. 
So in your mind then, what is mindfulness? I think I agree with you that mindfulness is just another word for awareness. It's just a state in which we are not lost in our thoughts. We're not thinking about the future. We're not thinking about the past. We are in the present moment aware of what we're doing, which is kind of rare sometimes. Okay, but then how would you distinguish that from meditation? So for me... For me, meditation is the training aspect. So meditation is the thing that you can, that requires a different kind of effort that is about training yourself to be, because, you know, holding, the ability to hold awareness all of the time or the majority of the time in your life is really, really difficult. It's like a muscle. We don't do it. Hmm. So we have to build that up. So for me... Meditation is the training and the practice so that we can do that. The training the and the practice of to be mindful. what? To be mindful. Okay, so there's some... And more than, it's more than that, but that's how they relate to each other, I would yeah. say. Yeah, because I would... I mean, I always had in my mind about meditation being the fact of... Well, a, a number... So there's a number of reasons to meditate, which would be around quieting the mind... Um, and uh, from a Zen point of view, eliminating duality, um, trying to reach that, or not even trying to reach that space, but sitting to let the mind go to that quiet space where you can then understand yourself, your true self between two thoughts without the noise. Because apparently we have, what, 70,000 thoughts or so on average a day, which is a lot of noise inside of your head, and then meditation is a way of quieting that noise. Well, I think that's the way it's sold, isn't it? Okay. That meditation is the way to quiet your mind. Yeah. Not oh, here's something be. that I was thinking. Hmm. is So mindfulness stops there, and then meditation is another, goes, another, goes further. So, you, so for, for me, okay, here is this. My, mindfulness is to be aware, get you to the state where you're aware of the present. Meditation is to get you to quiet your mind so you're then looking to make that connection and then get to that space of enlightenment where you understand that we are all one big gigantic heavy heavy universe, don't exist type thing. Whereas mindfulness maybe stops at just here, drink your coffee and be aware of your coffee as opposed to... Yeah, that's where uh, I'm at with that. Okay, yeah, I can buy that, I can go with that. So there's more to... Meditation as a, a different it's step in off course. It's a training practice towards... Something else. Yeah. It helps you to get... Because whenever I do, like I study stuff with Taoism, and the first place that you start is with meditation. So you can't get to the other stages and steps until you master meditation. So it's only a step in the process to something bigger. Yeah. Whereas I'm taking mindfulness to be an end and of itself, which is to yes. breathe present in the day you're not trying to reach enlightenment you're not trying to attain some other goal which is bad to say from a zen point of view because you're not supposed to be trying to attain anything um (laughs) but anyway yes okay i think that's i think that's the big misconception about mindfulness and meditation is that it's it's sold to you as the thing that can help you quiet your mind reduce stress help you relax in stressful situations. It's, it's the cure-all, isn't it, these days? Bring balance to your life. You know, it's, it's got all kinds of things on the package. My experience of meditation 
is not of a quiet mind. And the way that I have been trained in meditation is not, while one aim is to learn to quiet the mind, thoughts are not a problem. They are a reality of our, of our mind. Mm. We will never stop having thoughts. And the aim of meditation is to realize that you're having thoughts and to not follow those thoughts and get wrapped up in those thoughts so that you lose an awareness. Yeah, so you don't yeah. get lost in the story of, the, of all these thoughts that you have. I liken it, it was like a river. And thoughts, like you said, the thoughts never go away. Um, and they're going to have it, but not to even fight them. So they have it, have the thought, put it back in the river. So don't hold on to it. So it's about to not try to be attached to the thought, but to yeah. just let it flip back into the river and keep flowing. And not to judge it as being a good thought, bad thought, that sort of thing. I mean, I think that the thing that really hinders people at the beginning is their expectation that it's supposed to be wonderful and peaceful and relaxing. This is not a practice that it's going to feel like you are sitting on the beach reading a book and sipping a cocktail or, you know, doing the thousand other things that you could do to just relax and deal with stress, getting a massage. It's not like that. It is the, the best analogy that I have heard is that it's like we're all on the highway or the motorway going, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour. And meditation practice is like the first time you pull off to the side of the road and you notice how fast you're going. So when you're going 80 or 70, if you're a good yeah. driver, then you know you don't really realize how fast you're going and how fast everybody else is going. It's only when you stand off to the side and you watch everyone go, how quickly cars pass. And that could be a really uncomfortable and painful experience. So when this woman in this article is writing that it's excruciating, I can relate to that. Yeah. I know what that feels like. When you cannot stop your busy mind and when you're aware of how busy your mind is. Yeah, but and, and you know, do we, from a societal point of view, we create that condition because you're almost trained to be busy if you're not being busy you know we certainly make it worse you know as you know idle mind is the devil's workshop but and all of that isn't it so it's like if you're not doing something then that's seen as being not productive so you're wasting time in quotation marks um so i think we find it in our culture hard to just sit because I could be doing something. I could be reading a book. I could be doing the dishes. I could be doing this. I could be doing sit. that. Yeah. But just to sit. And, well, that's it. Just to simply sit is a, is a, I think we struggle with that. So when, you know, you see these, I usually say, you know, start off with five minutes or ten minutes. Imagine that. It seems like it would be the easiest thing in the world to just sit. But Anybody who has ever tried to keep up that schedule, you can... We can do all kinds of things for five minutes, like check your Facebook for five minutes a day. We can even limit ourselves to five minutes, but actually getting ourselves daily to sit for five minutes and just breathe. Oh, my God. It's so hard. Yeah. Because it, and now is that, okay, I just said it was a cultural society thing, or is, is it a biological thing? Does your body just want to be doing stuff? 
maybe. I don't know. I think it's really impossible when we look back through our evolutionary history to what life must have been like when we were nomadic or even early, you know, for, for the millennia that, you know, before towns and cities and this urban, like, busy lifestyle that we have. That every night we would have sat by a fire and we would have known the stages of the moon because that's how we would have seen at night and we would have seen the stars every single night. You know, that kind of life, I think, is really impossible to know what the state of our mind would have been like in that life. You know, like when you see, you know, these uh, documentaries of Tibet now, you know, from when before the Chinese invasion and stuff, and you know, often it's usually the, the story of the Dalai Lama's discovery and stuff. But you see, like, have you ever seen that um, that documentary, the Weeping Camel? No. That's about Mongolia and stuff, and it's just you know, vast open land, very few people, a life that's hard and busy in a way, but also filled with time and space to be quiet. Yeah. I I think it's very difficult if we've been raised in our culture in our time, we really have no idea what that what that is like to be in that mind. So I don't know if yeah, we can I, really say. I think, because um, I watched Bruce Perry's uh, Tribe, which mm. he did some stuff in Mongolia and other places, so he was looking at indigenous tribes that are still in existence today and live pretty much the same as they've done for thousands of years. Um, and it was interesting, as you say, they have a rhythm of life within the tribe, and some of that is after you know, you've know you done your hunting. A lot of the times they are just... They don't have a problem with sitting around in the heat of the day and just lounging, like you might see a lion doing and sleeping until it's time to go do the next task I think it, in the what I, I guess what I'm saying is... I think that our society makes things a lot worse for us, but I don't think that, you know, people that are living, you know, that other kind of life or what we would have been like living that kind of life, that we all would have been enlightened. I think that there is an essential nature to the mind that likes to think and likes to spin things through, and, and you do need to work with that. Okay, from from. But, but you uh, can't say like how how much is one, how much is another. Hmm. I don't know. You don't know. You can't throw it out there and not know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things that I don't know. There's so many things that you don't know. Most well, things I don't know. Well, I'm thinking, you know, is it so? If I go on an extended camping trip, for instance, uh, when I did the Camino, and I think I talked about this several podcasts ago. Um, the rhythm is up at six in the morning because you got to be out of the Rufukios, the monasteries, and you're basically out the door. And then you walk till lunch, stop, eat lunch on the side of the trail, walk until the evening because you got to be in the monastery before you know they close the thing. But then you get into that pattern. But as you're walking, so you're literally walking all day long, out in the middle of you know mostly nothing, you know just the trails. And you just get into a space, so you're, you know, you're not worried about time, you're not worried about got to be here, got to be doing this task, got to do the laundry. And then suddenly that world, I think after three days, maybe three or four days of being on the trail, that world disappeared. And then I, think, I think that gives us a window into it, but hmm. if, you know, we have to also accept and, and remember that, any, that that's a little window random space out of any kind of survival responsibilities, 
outside of any kind of sense of in, in, interdependent community. So people that are living in tribes also have all the interpersonal yeah. problems and issues that we might have. Maybe not the same ones, but you yeah, know, we're so all human. and They still have things that they've got to cope with and deal with, but they don't have the modern problems no, that we yeah. have. This one where you're, right. what we're hitting here with mindfulness, you know, they, they don't have the problem of not having time to sit still. They don't fear <laughs> quiet in exactly. the way that we Whereas do. Whereas we... Maybe, and it probably is a product of sort of the industrial revolution and the whole um, factory mentality. So you hear the word productivity, isn't it? We've got productivity apps. You've got productivity being productive because we're like just part of the machine. That's, how the, that's the metaphor of our lives now. You've got to be productive. So to sit still is to not be productive, is to be wasting time. And then, of course, self-help doesn't help. <laughs> well, because it's like, oh, you don't want to be wasting time. You're only here for a short day. Be doing stuff, you know? So there's even that, yeah. that you don't want to waste time. Um, and so, because I've asked this question before, um, you know, is it wasting time to play video games? Are you asking I'm me? I'm asking you. I don't think so. Yeah, but some people would say you're wasting time playing video games, wasting time watching TV, wasting time. But are you? No? no, I don't think so. I think you, no. you know, there's lots to be learned from video games. There's the I social all, aspect. I think we of all it. love to have our own secret wastes of time, if you want to call them that. You know, everybody has certain TV shows that are really terrible that they love, or sports, or their own little things that really aren't a productive activity. But we all what does that have mean, that, though, and then we all it? love to judge if, if somebody else has a different yeah. total waste of time. It's quite easy to just go, oh, but that's totally... But if it makes you happy, are you wasting time? No, I don't think so. No. I, think, I think I would just question that yeah. That phrase, waste of time, like what is that's that? That's the thing that I'm getting at, yeah, what does that yeah. even mean? You know, if you're saying you're wasting time, if I'm doing something that makes... Because it, it seems that the idea about how I'm being pro productive is that you create something that's going to give you some value in the longer time so that you'll be happy. Yeah. If you found the means to be happy playing video games and you're happy, which is I suppose the there's always a limit, go, though, isn't there? You know, I mean, in terms of you have to be able to support yourself and not cause problems for other people, and you know. Yeah. Well, no. So, so I'm not saying that these people have yeah. um, nothing dropped is going on. out yeah, yeah, and yeah. not doing anything. Like they're playing video yeah. games 24 hours a day, but what they choose to do when they're not working, is to play video games. I think, I think the, the thing about that, though, is that even in our downtime, we're always doing something. Downtime? So you talk like we're in the factory. Downtime. Yeah, that well, phrase. well, yeah. <laughs> downtime. We all know what I mean, though. When we're not, you know, exactly. we're, we're That's because always we're cogs doing in the machine. something. Yeah. We're always doing something. So even playing a video game is not a waste of time. It's how a lot of people have fun, how they relax, but it... Well, games we are important to us. We, we don't play games really all the time. have um, that space where we're, you know, I mean, I think the thing to go back to this so article. Hey, I'll put it so, another way. I'll put yeah. it another way. Would you, it's medit so mindfulness or video games, which is better for you? 
I don't know. <laughs> I think you're trying to get I'm me to be really, yeah. really <laughs> negative about video games, man. I no. love Super Mario Brothers. Not, I was no. awesome. I beat all the Super Mario Brothers. I want you to be positive about video games. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. video games. Great. I don't yeah. play them now. Yeah. I don't of, have a problem with video games. You don't have time? I also don't watch sports. Yeah. It's just not my thing. But I do lots of, I watch lots of like ridiculous right. TV that, that's fun. That's fun. But yeah. is that wasting time? No. No. Okay. Stop no, I guess asking I, me if it's wasting time. It's that is where time. I'm trying to get at because that's, well, there's two things. This mindfulness and being too busy, this whole busy thing that we were getting at, this is to bring it full circle. We're constantly busy because we feel like we have to be productive. Productive means we need to be doing something um, that's deemed as useful. Whereas, and then that keeps us, that puts us in that busy state. So we have a hard time to sit for 10 minutes is to not be productive. In quotation marks. I, the thing I would say about the video games, the TV, the sports, the all the different stuff. The mindfulness. No. Meditation. No, no. <laughs> what I'm saying about all those things is that we can't relax without doing something else. So it's like, you know, the gardeners say, you know, you can't dig up a plant and not put something in its place, you know, right. because if then you just leave empty soil and weeds just come. So... I think we feel a little bit like that too. We take something out, like, okay, we're done with work, so that activity is now not there. So we have to fill it with another activity. It's very difficult for us to not fill that space with something that we are doing and usually something that's being put into us rather so it's than kind something of the that we're kind of... Focus on being and not doing. We're yeah. always doing yeah, and not so. just sitting and being... Which is why I think, you know, there's, there's people who inspire this kind of article because people are having massive breakdowns when they sit for 10 minutes. I mean, this article, and I don't doubt it, is talking about all the people as the commercialization of mindfulness, and you've got the Headspace app, and you've got all this mindfulness training on work, and it's promoted as this ultra-positive, cure-all thing. Yeah. As that proliferates, you have a lot of people who are stopping... For the very first time, maybe ever, maybe in a really long time, and stuff is coming up for them that's serious, that's really hard, that's really painful. But they've been distracting themselves with and other stuff. They've set. been distracting themselves. And so I, I think the thing that made me really annoyed about this article is that it blames mindfulness when we should be looking to the root cause, which is what kind of life are we living and creating for ourselves when we can't sit for 10 minutes and without having a nervous breakdown basically i mean there are people in this article that are you know have you know post traumatic stress that have had serious you know things happen to them in their life and i'm not discounting that i think that that needs attention and and lots of care professional care but generally speaking, I mean, so the woman who wrote this article, Dawn Foster, she talks about the, her experience of going on this mindfulness training, and she's kind of expecting it to be, I t anticipated a straightforward, if awkward, experience. And, you know, she talks about how she's supposed to be mindfully eating her sandwich. I, you know, and she says, far from being relaxed, I felt excruciatingly uncomfortable. And of course she did, because, you know, it's pain, it's hard to stop. You know, it's hard to stop at thinking. We're, you know, we have lots of stories in our head that entertain us far more than a sandwich. 
you know. I think sometimes it's just asking yourself the right question, though. I mean, so you're just saying that we find it hard to stop. And then I think the question for me is what would happen if you did stop? Yeah, I think people are worried about that because they don't know, though. And I think, you know, when she gets into the meditation, <laughs> this is what she says. We're told to close our eyes and think about our bodies in relation to the chair, the floor, the room, blah, blah, blah. But there's just one catch. And then we're supposed to breathe slowly. But there's just one catch. I can't breathe. No matter how fast, slow, deep, or shallow my breaths are, it feels as though my lungs are sealed. My instinct tells me to run, but I can't move. Then we're told to finally open our eyes. The feeling dissipates. I look around. No one else appears to have felt they were facing imminent death. What just happened? You know, and it's like she blames the mindfulness. Yeah. And it's not that I doubt the problems with people who are not like properly trained. I mean, if you think about meditation... It comes from traditions. It's not, you know, now we've kind of detached it from all kind of spiritual traditions in which it comes and all the wisdom teachers that it comes from that have years and years and years and years and years and years and years of experience before they begin to teach. And we've just said, oh, everyone can do it. It's easy. La, la, la. And then we're surprised that there's problems. This is, you know, you can't. I don't know. You know what's making me think now is about, have you gone hunting you're a hunter what do you think <laughs> no I'm a pacifist we're all living sentient beings do you think i'm gonna go kill one of them no well i have i have moral com problems with killing ants man. really yes well if you were a hunter then you would know all about natural meditation so if it's a, because i'm just you always said i think we have a natural ability to and maybe we're given it the term meditation. So I don't know what you want to call it, but we have a natural ability to sit and be aware or to be present or to be one with whatever. Um, I think we just lost that sense when we've kind of been pushed into this factory mode of downtime and all that. You yeah. know, if you go hunting, you quickly become kind of one with your sort of space without calling it. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go become one with myself. No, you just go and you're attuned to your environment. If you're sitting in your little tree hide, you are sitting for That is for the ultimate hours. mindfulness because <laughs> you know, you you're are, just yeah. there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then whatever things are happening, you know, you have to deal with all the sort of space, you know, but you, you get into a space, but no one, no one has to train you how to do that. You know how to do that naturally as a human being. It comes back to me whether you make think, the I choices to do stuff. I think most people who have been raised and, and trained, so to speak, in our culture would have an incredibly hard time going to do that. They wouldn't be able to sit still and, and hunt. Yeah, because they'd have to unlearn yeah. all the factory habits that's and been I suppose bred that's into my, them. that's my, also my point is mm. that, yeah. Yeah, so, and it, so it becomes a ch choice thing. So maybe the people need to... Make choices. Maybe what we're saying, too, is that there's a, there's a new responsibility in the idea of mindfulness that comes simply because of the society and people that we work with, you know, that are ourselves, our, you know, brothers and sisters and friends and family, you know, because we've all grown up in this kind of insane <laughs> culture that doesn't, doesn't and then, do this kind well, of thing. And then we talk about... Did we talk about failure? Because I'm just thinking you've seen, there's almost a, 
if you make the decision to say, you know what, actually I want to have a scaled-down lifestyle so that I'm not a part of the machine and doing that, then society tends to marginalize people, new age, hippie, blah, whatever terminology. So marginalize that um, because the trappings of success are seen as something else. Yes, you can go do that, but you're not going to have all these things that you know success would give you. But I think that we're not very good at looking at things as a package. So we see the success, but you have to you have to say that success comes at these prices. Yeah, it has okay? a price tag. Attached it has a price tag attached to it. Yeah. So you get all this money, or you get all this acclaim, or you get all this praise, or status, or power, or whatever it is that comes with that. And this is the downside. And if you don't want that downside, you don't get that stuff. But and people will reverse downside, it the other way. Other stuff. Yeah. So you could have all this non-stress, chilled out stuff, but you know what? You're not going to have all that. So the downside of that. I think that's stuff, reality. I think people just have to, you know, <laughs> get to grips with reality. You cannot have. You can't have them both? You know, well, you can if you were born into it, maybe. Okay, but yeah. even then, you know, even then, are rich people happy? I think we all know the answer to that question. Yeah, then that becomes a question, and maybe that's a question for another podcast, is around, well, what is this idea of happiness then? Because I would ask you the question, what's the point of even doing mindfulness? What's the point of doing meditation? What's the point of doing anything of the things that we do? Well, I think this is the thing. When meditation and mindfulness is attached to a tradition, then you have answers to those questions. Do you? You have, yeah. Like? Well, that would take ages to explain. But <laughs> you don't you know, have ages. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like if, if you're doing meditation practice through a certain Buddhist tradition, yeah. then you know what you're doing. You know that there is a progression. You know what you're doing it for. And you have someone to go talk to when you have problems. These are major, major things. I mean, at the beginning of every Buddhist text... Which, you know, I mean, if we go back to the fact that these traditions all be, taught... Do we have to have a tradition to do well, it? Well, I though, think that I we need to seriously look at the elements that that tradition provided. Hmm. So we don't need to all, you know, be Buddhist. But not. we need to accept the fact that, you know, th- this bullet smoothie you know, fast-paced, get-everything-quick lifestyle doesn't really work when you're talking about this mindfulness. Like, you can't get quick mindfulness. You can't get quick realization. And the, the thing that... The thing that... Well, you can, but, you know... The thing about that the traditions provided is you worked with a teacher who, from experience, years of experience, and from his own teacher slash teachers, knew what he was talking about or her she was talking about. And then they gave you information, so you practices, and then they only gave you. The, this is this is the, the important thing I think yeah. that we haven't touched upon. This is an orally passed down tradition, and they only gave you that next piece of the puzzle when they felt like you were ready. And now we're just throwing it all out there, and people are doing stuff, and they may not be ready. Yeah, you know, they may not. And there's you know there's a lack of seriousness around this stuff that should be taken more seriously. We take our physical health very seriously. We should take our mental health very seriously. The mind is really powerful. Yeah. And if we want to do something particular with it, 
we have to train, build up muscles, build up strength and resilience to be able to cope with what might come up. And that would, in a tradition, that would have happened very slowly. See, now I have issues with that. Being a non, being a nonconformist that I am, and I've just been rereading some of Emerson's essays. Um, I don't think you need a teacher. I think everything you need is inside your own head. And if I want to go find information out, I can find it. I think people are mostly lazy, as in I want someone to show me or tell me or give me a tradition. Whereas but these traditions don't teach like that. You can't show someone this stuff. Well, yeah, well, you just said, in the sense of I lead you to a place and then give you the next step and the next step, I'm saying you can go, if you have the will, you'll find the way, and you, you can create your own tradition or religion or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely um, do not think that there's a one-size-fits-all, one-path-fits-all for mm. this. Um, I don't think that everyone I, I, I don't know if I think everyone needs a teacher I, I, I kind of want to leave that because I don't really I feel like I needed a teacher and I feel like well some people do my teacher, I, I, and I'm not discounting it I think people do has not told me big truths that's not how this is transmitted you know what I mean right. this is like you're given practices that help you look and you're also when something comes up in your mind like I have this question this weird experience blah 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 a lot of people in this article have talked about feelings of disassociation from themselves which has caused them to have a psychic breakdown and if it, you know reading through it it's taken days and weeks and months and if they had had somebody that they could have gone to and said look I just got out of this meditation and actually I had this weird experience and this is what it was like that teacher would know how to because they would have had years yeah. of training. Now, you know? see, for and me in that, I would yeah. have probably read 10, 20, 30 books on meditation before I ever went to the course. So that I would Who wrote those books, Clay? Those are your teachers. They are in the sense that I take little bits of what resonates and reassembles it for myself. Yeah. It gives me the questions to ask. But I ask those questions... But, but always me. you ask yourself. Yeah, always you ask yeah. yourself those questions and go seek answers. I guess what I'm saying is that, and, I'm not, and, and some people do need it. I'm not saying that yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. can take that sort of space. Whereas I'd rather, so some people would rather be guided, whereas I'd rather not be yeah, yeah. guided, as in show up this regular course yeah, yeah, yeah. schedule, practice this thing with me. Maybe for. 10 minutes <laughs> so I can quickly assess or what do you know all right enough for you and then on to the sort of next but that's just kind of the person that I am in that regards I guess um yeah. I, I suppose just yeah I, I think yeah. you just you, you <laughs> yeah. just need to take it seriously all right let's let's tie this up so yeah. mindfulness is it um Making us ill? That was the original question, wasn't it? The original question is mindfulness making us ill. So my, my answer Ill? to this article and to all like it are our society is making us ill and I mindfulness like is highlighting our illness. Right. But we need to take that illness seriously and that sitting with yourself is not a peaceful yes. process. And if you go in with that expectation, 
you can come into trouble. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like it. It's, it's this article, they just pointed out some symptoms, isn't it? So it's actually the society probably that's making us ill in the way that we are feeling at least that you're t- tunneled to live a certain way and, and abide by certain um, norms, rituals within that particular society. Always running, always doing, always being productive part of the machine. And when you have some downtime, <laughs> you know, you go on go holiday, do, do some else. stuff, go do some other stuff. But this, yeah. and maybe we've lost, and you meant, you said this early, early on, or somewhere in, in here, you talked about the body, and maybe what we've lost is not working out all three aspects, so not doing your physical workout, doing your mental workout, and doing your spiritual workout. Um, we probably do the other two a lot. Well, not everybody, but so yeah. physical stuff yeah. is you work on, your mental stuff through reading and or going to school. But do we do our spiritual training every day? And probably a lot of people, a majority of people I'd maybe no. don't. Yeah. yeah, And maybe we have to get back to that. Yeah. Yes. So on that note, <laughs> yes, we could go on I'll, all day, I'll but say, I'll on keep that going. Note. But I'll stop there. Lovely having you all <laughs> listening. And please do uh, leave us comments. Get involved. Um, yeah, we're kind of trans moving the site a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're um, starting to upload um, onto Libsyn so that the So we'll podcast. keep everybody posted on that. But look forward to being able so, to subscribe on iTunes to this. And then it can just come into your phone. And yes. Yeah. Just like the mindfulness. Our voices app. will just come to you. <laughs> we have a new episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions. <laughs> so, All right. Until next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.